0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To your brothers and sisters in Christ, it's Friday, a day when, for many people, they usually get to leave work early, or at least it's such an exciting day because the weekend starts, and they know they're free for two days— They can stay at home and not have to go to work or not even think about work. That's why we have this phrase, T-G-I-F. Thank goodness it's Friday or thank God it's Friday. Now for many of you in our current circumstances in life, you have either been at home for the last two weeks because you're not working or you've been at home working at home. So today doesn't really become TGIF. I mean, unless you count the fact that for those who have still been going to work, today is a holiday. So today might not look much different for many of you. But today isn't just some holiday. It is a holy day. Yesterday we celebrated Monday Thursday and Monday-Thursday is also known as Holy Thursday. And today we get Good Friday. But let's think not just about it as Good Friday, also as Holy Friday. As we continue on the journey that we started yesterday, we found ourselves in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus goes off alone to pray to God the Father. Jesus being the second person of the Trinity is praying to that first person of the Trinity about the cup of wrath that is set before him. And if there is any other way outside of him having to drink this cup, may it be so. He prays just like he taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. We know that Jesus does have to drink the cup of wrath, which was described as the sins of all people. We have all sinned. We are all guilty. And so every time you sin, it's like one drop goes into that cup. And so the cup is filled with the entirety of the world's sin. All of your sins all of my sins. And the judgment for those sins, God's righteous judgment, is set before Jesus. And there's two options. To let every sinner drink it themselves, which will result in punishment, condemnation, hell. Or, to let the sinless Son of God the one who would never even put the slightest drop into that cup, drink it on our behalf, for us. Jesus knew what was going to happen, but that didn't make it any easier. As we see him sweat blood amidst the agony and turmoil of what he had to do. And here is where we see Jesus not just as God, but as a man. A man who asks God for another way out. A man who agonizes, stresses over where his life is leading him, which is really the entire reason he was born. To drink the cup of God's wrath for the sins of the world. To fulfill his purpose and live out his name and save his people from their sins. We think about the physical burden and punishment that he endured, and and we'll get there. But in the garden, I think we see some of that mental, emotional burden. When he has finished praying, you can almost feel a, a change in Jesus, as he knows that his time has come. First, he tells his disciples, who had been sleeping while he prayed, See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And then he says to Peter, who had drawn his sword to fight, that even though he could have called upon the angels of heaven to stop this, to prevent his arrest and everything that follows, he said that this happens to fulfill the scriptures. Jesus knows that he will go on to drink the wrath of the world's sin. It's why he came. And if knowing that didn't make it any easier, which is why he prays in agony about it, the difficulty was only beginning. Today, as we place ourselves at the foot of the cross, we see the Son of God, we see the Son of Man Crucified there. Crucified for what the Jews called blasphemy, for claiming to be God. His punishment was death. But he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross, not as punishment for himself, but as punishment for us. He drinks the cup of wrath intended for us and bears the punishment. That our sins deserve. But before we get to the cross, we have a couple stops to make along the way. After Jesus is arrested, he's brought to the house of Caiaphas, where he has his trial before the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin. This is ultimately where Jesus is sentenced to death. But since the Jews were under under the Roman rule, they didn't have the power, the authority to execute anyone, which is why Pilate will be their next stop. And this is the point where I want us to stay for a moment. Now, we don't know the exact timeline of these events from Monday Thursday to Good Friday. We don't have a a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour, play-by-play of all of these events unfolding. We know it's in the evening when Jesus shares the supper with his disciples. And after that, he goes on to the Garden of Gethsemane. That is where then he is arrested and then later sentenced. Peter denies Jesus within that time as well. And the next thing we know, it's morning as they lead Jesus to Pilate to have him be put to death. I want us to stop for a moment before Jesus is led to Pilate. What happened and for how long? The best answer we have is arguably my favorite place when I was in Israel last year. At Caiaphas' house, when you go down, 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 there is a pit. There is a hole at the top where they would have lowered prisoners in. It's not a huge room. It's, it's taller than it is wide. And it is entirely possible that this is where Jesus spent the night for who knows how long. Now, I want to take you there and I want you to envision this scene, though I know it's hard and it won't feel like How I felt it. Jesus agonized over having to drink the cup of God's wrath in the garden, that mental burden. And before he is arrested, he knows that God's will is to be done and that he will go on and do this. And he's ready. And then he's arrested and sentenced. He knows it's coming. And before he goes off to Pilate, he's placed in this dungeon, in this pit, all by himself, alone, with nothing but his thoughts and the cup of God's wrath in front of him. In the garden, he was still alone wrestling, but now in this pit, his decision is made. And now he waits. And all I could think about sitting in that pit is what it must have been like and what must have been going through his mind as a man. If the weight of the burden was in the garden, here it is again, stronger now because he's that much closer and because there's nothing else to think about. We often like to picture Jesus on the cross and think about him dying for us and him thinking about us on the cross. I think we can say the same thing about Jesus being in this pit. He was thinking about us, about all of our sins. Every single one of them. Every drop that filled that cup. He was going to drink it all. And why? Because it was the only way. No man can die for the sins of another man. But the God-man, Jesus Christ, the perfect man and true God, he can. And he does it because of his great love for us. He loves us so much that he willingly lays down his life for us to give us the forgiveness of our sins. And they are many. And to give us eternal life. And we do not deserve it. And that morning, as he makes his way to Pilate, the physical burden is just beginning. And now I want you to envision something else for me. I want you to think about the weight The burden of your sin. I want you to think about all of those sins that have filled that cup of wrath Jesus is to drink, and how everything Jesus was still to go through was for you and for those sins. Today I'm going to bring them before the altar. Now, in your own home, I don't imagine that you have an altar to come before, but maybe there's a cross on your wall that you can look at, that you can reflect on, that you can think of, maybe even a cross that's shaped out of a palm branch. And this is what I did as a kid on Palm Sunday because we didn't get palm branches like here. Here we get these full ones with the branches and leaves— But growing up, I just got the long branch, the leaf, the frond, whatever you might call it. And I would take that branch and I would put it in the shape of a cross, just like this one. So maybe in your own home, you have something like this. And if not, you can swing by here and get one because we have a few of them. Something to reflect on, look at. And if not, Just keep your focus here. As we go through the rest of Christ's journey, I want you to think about every punishment he endured being for your sin. So think about those sins. What do you have? Think about when he is whipped and he's beaten, he's flogged, he is punched, he is spit on. He's doing it for you. He's taking the punishment for your sins. Do you have anger in your heart? Hatred? Murder? Do you struggle with the sins that you feel against others? Lay it down at the foot of the cross. When the crown of thorns is placed upon his head, digging into his flesh, he's wearing it for you and for your sins. Do you struggle with lust, sexual immorality? Are you prone to adultery? And we know that God's word tells us that even somebody who looks at another person lustfully is committing adultery. Do you struggle with sexual sins? Lay it down at the foot of the cross. When Jesus goes out towards Golgotha, where he is crucified and he carries the cross, at least for a little bit, he carries the instrument of death for you, for your sins. Do you gossip? Do you lie about others? Do you lie about others to make yourself feel better? Are you constantly bearing false witness against your neighbor? Do you lie to others because you have secrets to hide? Do you struggle with sins that harm yourself or your neighbor and reputation? Lay it down at the foot of the cross. When Jesus is crucified and the nails are driven through his hands and his feet, he is taking those nails for you, for your sins. As if you are the ones hammering into his flesh these nails that will keep him on the cross. Do you love other things more than you love God? And thus create false idols, false gods, Is it money, stuff, anything that takes up your time and draws you away from him? Is it an addiction that you have put in his place? Alcohol, drugs, food, gambling, sex. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. when Jesus is mocked as he hangs on the cross, he is taking all of those lies, those false claims, and enduring it for you, for your sins. Whatever's on your heart today, take your sin and, and lay it at the foot of the cross. Take all of your sins and lay them down at the foot of the cross. Every single One of them. And hear Jesus' words for you that come from that cross Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He prays for the forgiveness of those who are before him, those who crucified him, mocked him, and he suffers the punishment on the cross for your forgiveness. Later, he says to the thief who asked Jesus to remember him, Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus' death was about taking God's wrath for sin, your punishment for sin, and it was also about bringing you to heaven. By faith in Jesus Christ, eternity is yours, and you will be with Jesus in paradise. And the words that guarantee your forgiveness and your salvation are those three words of Christ on the cross before he breathes his last breath. It is finished. What was finished? Drinking that cup. He finished it all. Every last drop, every single one of your sins, he took. He died your death, suffered hell for you to give you forgiveness, to give you salvation, to give you heaven. Jesus died fulfilling his Father's will. And when he was taken down from that cross, he stayed in another pit, a different pit, but still a hole in the ground, a tomb, the grave. And this time, we know exactly how long he was there. He was there until Sunday morning. But today is still Friday. And so today, we thank God it's Friday. But even more so, we thank God for Good Friday. Why? Because of Jesus's three words on the cross.